If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Acts if we can and look at, first of all, at chapter 1, verse number 8. If you see your Bible study worksheet this evening, it is uh, talking about the blessings and the requirements of a soul-winning church. I believe that as we talk about December, I would like to do our very best to challenge every single one of us that, uh, that to get the gospel to someone individually. I want to be a part of a soul-winning church. If you, There may be semantical, but somewhat there's an evangelistic church and there's a soul-winning church. There's two models evangelistic and soul-winning. Uh, an evangelistic church certainly and, and is uh, not wrong, but it, makes, it mainly, it just, you get people to come to church and they get saved at church. And by the way, we thank God for that. We, we're, the Christmas season, it, it plays into that. Okay? However, that is not the preferable model. The preferable model is that people who are believers would share the gospel with people out there and bring them in to the church. The church is really, I use that we use oftentimes the church as a tool to get people to come because we, 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 we probably, most of us have talked to people, invited people, and they just have not responded. But at Christmas season especially, I want them to be able to see talented musicians and and to be a part of you, what we just saw right now, you'd have to go to the symphony to see that right there. But we get to do it on a regular basis to see, I think, 45 people in an orchestra Sunday morning playing an orchestra number. And we'll do it. They'll start it, the prelude on Sunday morning. I feel like for most people that are out there, they're like, wow. They think people get paid to do this. They do it because they want to, not because they're, they're compensated. The choir, the children, to see 15 teenagers sing on Sunday morning. Uh, it's very impressive to an unsaved person, and it's impressive for this purpose. It gives others a good opinion of God. They can criticize a lot of things, but when they see quality young people, when they see quality servants doing something for the Lord without the praise of men, but for the Lord, it's very impressive, and it gives others a platform to hear the gospel. At the same time, I'm for that. I thank God for that. I want to capitalize on a 7,000-seat auditorium and get as many people as we can to hear the gospel. We can't do last week, last year this time. We had about 65 to 6,700 people in this room to listen to one uh, program. And, of course, all the people gathered on the platform and things of that nature. That's not really reasonable this year, but I think it's even better, quite frankly, because we have the opportunity every Sunday morning to get the gospel of Christ to New Year's. But I would say this, we don't want to substitute that for me talking to someone about Jesus and you talking to someone about Jesus. Brother Rick Martin, who uh, they believe conservatively, individually has fostered over 1,500, maybe as many as over 2,000 churches on the islands of the Philippines. He and Becky, and that's uh, right across the street here, uh, in 1976, hearing Bob Hughes give a plea to someone to go to the Philippines, said, honey, I think God wants us to go. And Becky said, I'll cross the widest ocean with you. We'll do it. And they went. His goal initially was to train 35 soul winners. It wasn't to have 35 people in church. He rented a little apartment and began working with people. He led a, a ladies of the Lord. He led a young men of the Lord. And each of those people began to come in. And his goal was to train, win people to Christ and train them to win people to Christ. He told me this person, he said, Pastor Wilkerson, if you can train soul winners, soul winners will do anything for God. Soul winners will watch nursery. 
They'll clean the building. They'll drive buses. They'll rent jeepneys. They'll, they will cooperate. They'll work. Soul winners don't complain too much. They, they don't have a lot of problems because they're, they're, they're focused on getting the gospel to someone. They're not easily offended. Because they just get people. There's some people that, that they'll, they will. They'll play an instrument. They might drive a bus. They might watch a nursery. But oftentimes we can become disgruntled and frustrated if we're not personally involved in getting people to Jesus. And Jesus said this last command was, should be our first priority. And, of course, he said it five times. He said it first in Matthew. We have it logged in our Bible in 28. Uh, and he says, I want you to go. I want you to, to teach the word of God. Then teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, if you do that, you'll have the presence of God. He said, Pastor, why would we want a soul-winning, Great Commission church? Well, number one, because you want the presence of God on your life. And I want the presence of God here. And Mark we see the Great Commission comes with the benefit of protection. I was talking to Brother Greg Pine today, and I, and I thought about this. I just thought, you know, the Lord has been so good to protect our church uh, throughout the history, but especially because I've had the opportunity to be here only these seven years with you. But I'm going to tell you, things could have gone so crazy. And it, and it may burn down tomorrow, but I'm amazed how God has protected us. Even those things that we have fought against and had challenge with, they're, they're things that are, are years old. But these are things that God has been so good to protect us faithfully, moment by moment, day by day. And I think it's because we, we're trying to be soul-conscious people. We're trying to fulfill the Great Commission. Because the Great Commission in Matthew comes with the presence of God. Lo, I'm with you always. In Mark, it comes with the protection of God. He said, if, you, if you're out giving the gospel and someone makes you drink poison, I'll help you. If a snake bites you, I'll help you. I'm going to protect you. And Luke, he gives not only the, uh, in Matthew, the, the presence of God, in Mark, the protection of God. And in, in, in Luke, he gives the plan of God. He so beginning first in Jerusalem and going out. I'm for world evangelism. But if you think for a moment you're killing the big one just because you can write a check for missions, and that's all you do, you got room for rent upstairs. Okay. That's not where it is. Don't find yourself, well, I, all I do is give to missions. No, you need to keep a gospel track. You need to get a New Testament. You need to go knock on a door. You need to go talk to someone across the gas pump from you. You have that responsibility to personally be involved with that. Beginning first in Hammond, beginning first in St. John, in Crown Point, in Lansing, in Cal City, in Chicago, and then work our way out. He gives the plan. In John, he said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And he says, I'll send you out with peace. He said, my peace I give to you. And, and uh, when people are comfort, and people are committed to, to the Great Commission and soul winning, they get the presence of God, the protection of God, they fulfill the plan of God, and they enjoy the peace of God. You know, if all of us can, and, and it's hard to have First Baptist Church a complete, full, peaceful day. There's always some, some element that's having some problems, whether it might be in a ministry like Kyle Anderson or the Better Roads Recovery Home or uh, if it's at uh, the radio station or if it's on the church staff or FBMI or, or a Hammond Baptist or City Baptist. And there's, it's difficult. But you know what? In everybody pushing to get the gospel out, one of the most peaceful days in our ministries are the Super Saturday Soul Winning Days. Everybody's going out. We don't find too much fighting, too much arguing, because we're all pulling the same rope. 
And a byproduct of a soul-winning church and a Great Commission church is peace, protection, presence of God. And then Acts chapter 1 is where we are right now. You're familiar with that, verse number 8. Look at it with me if you would, please. But ye shall receive, read it with me, would you? But ye shall receive after that. And to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, we find here that when we get the gospel out, we receive God's power. And I want to have a church that has the power of God upon it. I want to have the church that has the protection of God, has the peace of God. And so many times we spend, many pastors spend their time, and I don't do this as much as I, as I and it's because of soul winning. They spend all their time putting out fires all the time, just putting out fires because, because everything's a mess. But boy, when we pull on the gospel train and we get on this thing of Great Commission, we get the peace of God, the protection of God. We get the, uh, the presence of God upon our life. I had a man walk into, into our services recently, and he said to me, he said to, not to me, but to another person, he goes, you can feel the presence of God here. This particular person was from another church of more, more of a contemporary background. But he said to his friend, I can feel the presence of God in this place. Boy, I want that for everybody. But part of that's a byproduct of being a Great Commission church. Well, what are the blessings of being a Great Commission church? And some of this is stimulated. I already had this plan, but had the joy this week to go and be a part of Miss Faye Dotson's service. Miss Faye Dotson, Brother um, Freddie DeAnda spoke at her funeral and, and, uh, and preached at the funeral. And he said, you know, she was, he took us to John chapter 4. He said, no, Miss Faye was the woman at the well. She was a Kentucky mom with two little boys, had lived a very hard and difficult and somewhat sinful life. And then uh, two, a bus captain tried to get her two boys to go to church. And then eventually someone took the Bible and showed her how to be saved, and she never got over it. And she not only wanted to tell people about Jesus, she wanted to train others to do the same thing. And probably 30 of our finest ladies in our church were there to give testimony of how Faye Dotson had taught them a plan of salvation. Miss Sue Pro, she wrote a poem for her. I want you to show that picture. Do we have that picture of Miss Faye? Some of you would not even know her. She spent the last several years in a, in a memory care unit with dementia, and, uh, but very precious lady, and, um, and a very lady who had a heart for souls. Here's what Miss Sue wrote about her. If Miss D were here, if Miss D were here, I think that she would say, I have finally got to meet Jesus, and I definitely want to stay. I love you, and I'm proud of you. We've worked hard to serve him, talking to our girls with him for many years. There's nothing as important. Jesus has made that clear. I've given you my life to train you. New Testament in hand. You know what to do and how to do it. Remember, use the soul winning plan. It helps you to keep you focused. It helps to keep you focused to Christ. More souls you'll bring. Drawing the net, never forgetting a thing. Getting down to business. The plan helps you to stay on track. Also in training others so soul winners will never lack. Keep on being consistent. I expect that from you, you know. Continue leading people to Christ. Get them to the church and help them grow. 
When you think about me, have it a positive in every way. Please use my life as a constant reminder. Soul winners, I want you to stay. Now that I have finished my course, I'll wait to see you again. Soul winners will train others. Stay faithful to the end. Isn't a beautiful little poem there? Wonderful. But her testimony, she's not going to be witnessing anybody else anytime soon. She'll be with Jesus, and that's one thing you don't do in heaven. You don't go soul winning. That's something we get to do now. But what are the blessings of a soul winning church? We see the command of God. Jesus called his disciples in Matthew chapter 4. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Luke chapter 19 verse 10, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And then throughout the gospel, he tells us to go, go, go. And uh, with a couple thoughts like that, I want to just take the, take the notes and give them to you quickly if I can. Number one. Christ's last command should be our first priority. Keeping soul winning paramount is very important. As a pastor, whether you know it or not, I work hard to remind you of things you already know to do. The Bible says if you put the brother in remembrance of these things, you'll become a good minister of Jesus Christ. And there's two, as a boxer, he has a, a one-two punch. He's continuing. If you went out boxing with one hand tied behind your back, you're probably going to get clocked. Okay, but if you got two and you're banging away, every Sunday, every Wednesday night, pastor's saying soul winning, discipleship. Evangelism, edification. And that's what we're doing continually. And by the way, I want every one of you to do it. You don't have to do it, but I think you'll be stimulated by the Holy Spirit and you'll be glad you did one day if you were faithfully winning people to Christ, helping people grow in Christ. Winning them to Christ, help them to grow. And that's very important. And the last command of God is to do that. Now, it is work. I uh, talked to the teachers earlier tonight and reminded them in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 28, it is a labor to do that. But his last command should be our first priority. Number two, Christ's program for every church is a soul-winning program. If we don't win people to Christ, we'll die by attrition. Many pastors and many churches are just us four and no more. And they're just, they're trying to, to, to keep everybody that's there. And what God's trying to do is keep reaching another person. And all of us ought to say, God, would you give me this year somebody that could sit with me next year this time? Could I look across the auditorium and see someone that instrumentally came to know Christ through my love and through your faithfulness and your Holy Spirit's help? This is what we ought to do. God's program for every church is a soul-winning program. I oftentimes, when I'm speaking to pastors, I will tell them, I said, you know, there's not very many church problems that could not be solved if most pastors and workers would, would spend a few hours every week out winning the loss and discipling somebody. A lot of things go away if we win the loss and disciple. A lot of problems go away quickly in that way. Look at here at the quickly, the, the, the basic outline. The blessings of a soul winning church. What's the big deal? The blessings of a soul winning church, number one, it is an unexplainable value to the community. Hammond, Indiana, in this area, they don't see it, but they have been blessed by First Baptist Church of Hammond. And every place there's a soul-winning church, it automatically has an unexplainable eternal value to that community. There are things that, that God has used. And this week I heard about someone who told me they came to know Christ as their Savior. They were forbidden to open the door for a soul winner from First Baptist. That was just the way they were. They were told that way, don't open the door for the Baptist. I think about Brother Rob, Rob Murillo, 
uh, Robert Murillo, he was, he was with his friends in East Chicago, and every time the Baptists would come, the soul winners would come, they'd go, run, it's the Baptist, you know, and they would all run away. And finally one day he said, next time they do that, I'm not running. I want to find out what they have to say. And two people led him to the Lord Jesus Christ. Two teenagers from our church led him to Christ. Uh, and a lady told me the other day, she said, she said you know, I, I was told not to do it, but I always wondered, what would they tell me if I opened the door? He said, one day while no one was there, I let him open the door and I told him. I think about one boy, he's 11 years old, he's a tow truck driver in our area, but he told me, he said, my parents would not let us come. And boy, I was always, they taught me to be rude with the soul winners and tell them, get off our porch and never come back and all that stuff. And then one day I was by myself, no one was home. I was 11 years old and a, a man and his wife knocked on the door. And I said, nope, we're not interested, get out of here and go away. And he said, are you sure? He's a gospel tract. Nope, nope, go. And uh, so they just turned around, and the wife said to the husband, boy, I don't want that boy to go to hell. We need to pray that he'll get saved. And he said, hey, what would you say? And he said, oh, I, just, I just told my husband, I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to have eternal life. He said, well, I don't want to go either. What are you going to tell me? Come back over here. And they led him to the Lord Jesus Christ on his doorstep. And uh, he said, that's the day God saved me. He, did, he was away from God for a long time. He lives for God today, but he was away from God for a long time. But thank God for that soul winner. And it has unexplainable help to the community. Number two, it is where the ripest Christian best grows. It is where Christians grow the most, I believe, in a soul winning church. Number two, it's a place where the deepest love of God develops. If you can find a soul winning church, you're going to find people that are givers, people that, are, that have a love of Christ. Because one of the hardest things to do in your Christian life outside of praying is witnessing to people. You know what you have to overcome to witness people? Most of us have to overcome fear. What is it casteth out fear? Perfect love casts out fear. You know what helps you be a soul winner? When you have love, more love for God than you do have fear for man. He said, in, a, in, a, in the blessing of the local church, it's a place where the deepest love develops in the heart of a person, where the ripest Christians grow. Look at the next one, if you would, please, letter D. It's where the purest motives thrive. People have the purest motives in a soul-winning church. And they have a heart for winning people to Christ, getting people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Letter E, it's where excitement abounds. There's nothing like the excitement that comes, in my opinion, of seeing people get saved. Boy, if people don't get baptized, it bothers me. It's, not, it's usually my fault that they're not, but it still bothers me. Well, when, but when we see people saved, pastors have the joy to preach now in different churches across the country, and I'm always blessed. I don't care what church you go to. It's a blessing to do that. But oftentimes I listen to pastors talk, and I say, oh, we had two, two families join last week. We we're going to have another family going to join. We have another family going to join here, and I'm happy for that. But I don't like the idea of thinking that that family's just joining from a church across town just getting tired of that church and coming over to this church. But I've been to churches where it's pretty exciting, where the pastor walking around and the people in the choir, they got tattoos on their ankles and their arms and their neck. The ushers, you know, the ushers, they got holes in their ear where they used to have an earring in. Where people you could tell, and, and the pastor walks around and says, hey, this is, boy, I love this guy right here. This, this fella, he got saved. Remember when, tell him when you got saved. Oh, pastor, you came to my house and came to the mobile home and led me to Christ. And, 
And then my wife got saved. We weren't even married at the time, you know, and they tell about stuff like that. And you see people after people that get saved, and it brings an excitement. One of the things that's kept First Baptist Church an exciting place to serve the Lord is because of soul winning. People come and know the Lord is their Savior. It's a place where excitement abounds. Letter F, it's a place where the young hear most easily the call to salvation and surrender. At a soul winning church, it's where young people are provoked to get saved and to surrender to the work of the Lord. I don't know about you. I'm getting excited just thinking about this. I, I'm glad. And it's not, we're not where we ought to be, but I want to make sure that, we, that I am a soul winner. You pray that I'll be a better soul winner and a good example. And then I'll see people. And I'm praying that you'll be the same thing. Because we want our children to quickly surrender to what God wants them to do. I think a soul winning church is where that happens. Letter G is the main supply house for ministry leaders and missionaries. It's where the greater pool of people. I, I have watched people, and this is saddens me, and I'm just going to make it an opinion, an observation. I'm not sure I'm totally right about this. But oftentimes it's in soul-winning, aggressive, holy churches that is where men and women are called to go to the mission field. They're called to go into Bible college. Now, we have, I have many peers that have now chosen, you know what, we're not doing that. We're not doing the soul winning. We're just going to have a big celebration service every week, and they've gone to the, the contemporary music. They've, they've thrown the wind standards of holiness. And you know what? They're still going to heaven. They're still my brothers and sisters. I'll still soon turn to them, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time fighting them, arguing with them or throwing, throwing mud. But I'm telling you one thing what happens those churches very quickly, though they might see people saved in seminars and, and YouTubes and whatever, and people will come to coach because God will bless the Word of God. And many of these dear ones, they still preach the Bible, they still give the gospel, and they still get people to listen to them, and that's fine. But one thing they do not do is they rarely ever reproduce themselves. The kids there don't go off to serve the Lord. The kids don't go to Bible college. They don't, they don't have an interest in that. There's some, somehow or another, they just kind of get meandered in. They might even stay in the church, but they don't have that, that outward growth in that situation. And I think that in a soul-winning church, it's a place where new workers are developed. The heart is there. I, and nothing thrills me more than to go out to Hiles Anderson College and go out and teach Discipleship 101 and see Hammond Baptist, City Baptist graduates. Home the kids that were in the youth group last year are now right there. I saw, um, uh, I don't want to say names, but boy, just, just to see them come onto the campus, and boy, they get involved, and they're doing well, and I graded their papers just last week, and I said, ah, oh, you know, that's that Butler girl, and that's that Mesoist boy, and, and that's that Wilkerson clown, you know, and, and uh, we've got, when you get to start grading these papers, and you see, oh, man, I remember when they were in seventh grade, and they were over at HB, and I remember when they were shooting basketball, and I remember that now look what they're doing. They're, they're, in, they're doing this, and they're bringing souls down the aisle and helping them taking pictures when they get baptized. That's something happens in that situation. We have a whole history of that here. It's a soul-winning church that brings some of the greatest workers. But what does a soul-winning church need? What are the necessities and the requirements? Look at the next statement, and we'll close with this. The necessities of a soul-winning church, number one, a reliance on the Holy Spirit of God. But ye shall receive power when? After that, 
the Holy Ghost. And boy, we want to make sure that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but He's very comfortable inside of me and you and in these services. Number, number two, letter B there, a magnification of the person of, can we going to give me an idea of what that might be? Christ, yes. Uh, for me to live is Christ. I am crucified with Yes, and you read the Apostle Paul, you'll see that. And the disciples, they said, stop talking about that name. And they say, you know, you can, you know, what we're talking about is the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And there's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. There must be a magnification. So what do we need in a soul-winning church? We need some people who are Holy Spirit filled. Some people who make much of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing real quickly, and that is letter, D, letter C, an emphasis on personal holiness. Let's take our Bibles for the sake of the Bible study tonight. I'm giving you a, a little bit more philosophical things from the Scriptures, but let's look at the Scripture. Psalms 51. What is Psalms 51 about? Someone shout out and tell me. The repentance of who? David, after his sin with Bathsheba. And he acknowledges his sin, his transgressions ever before him. But I want you to see what happens. He asks in verse number 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Psalm 51, verse 10. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. I want to have your presence upon my life. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You see an emphasis on the Holy Spirit here. Verse number 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. And then what happens? Verse 13, read it with me. Are you ready? Then will I... Boy, when my spirit is right, you got a bad attitude, it's not worth it. Don't keep it. Ask God to create a new spirit. You got an ought with someone, how they scratch your head, gets on your nerves, knock it off. It's not worth it. You're compromising the opportunity for God to use you to teach sinners in the way and bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, when I have a right attitude, when my Holy Spirit's, when your presence on me, when I'm clean and I'm holy, then will I be able to teach sinners in the way and they'll be converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the necessity of a local soul winning church? It's a place where the Holy Spirit is obvious. There's a reliance on the Holy Spirit. There is a magnification of the person of Jesus Christ. There is an exaltation or an emphasis on personal holiness. Letter D, there's opportunities to witness opportunities. The Bible says the disciples in Acts chapter 5 verse 42 and daily and in every house and in the temple they teach not, uh, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Wherever they went. I was talking to someone who loved Miss Faye very much and he, they said about her, she says she didn't go soul winning she was a soul winner. It wasn't like I'm just going to go to Super Saturday soul winning, that's where I'll do my soul winning. He said soul winning was what she was. She was a soul winner. Wherever she went, he said, whether you're at your house or you're at the church, you give the gospel to people. Then look at the next one, prayer. A necessity of a soul winning church that we need to pray. And our church needs to keep learning that. Your pastor needs to learn that. And then lastly, an example of church leadership. If you're a deacon, you ought to be a soul winner. Your visibility determines your viability. Uh, if you're a deacon's wife, you ought to be a soul winner. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you ought to be a soul winner. If you're a staff member, you ought to be a soldier, especially staff members. Everyone, I don't care if you guard, or if you're a security guard, or you're an assistant pastor, or you're the pastor. We ought to be, uh, we ought to have, be a soul-winning people. 
but I have stories of what God's doing in our hearts and life. And I love hearing our staff talk about on Monday morning some souls that they led to the Lord and hearing their, their testimonies of people they were engaging in the salvation testimony about. Let's do that. Next week we'll talk a little about this, but I want to give you this last statement. It's not in your notes, but be the reason that we are a soul winning church. Be a reason why, because, because God's helping you uh, with this passion. It's much more a passion as a method. Next week, we'll be talking about how to lead someone to Christ. I'm just going to give you some thoughts. On, and if you're witnessing someone, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to try to give you a plan to do it. Some of you know it. I hope you'll still come and learn something. But I, I will say it's much more a passion than it is a method. I like the Romans road. I don't think it's the only way someone can get saved. But it, you can have the Romans road, but you need a passion to share it. And uh, it's much more a passion. Be the reason we're a soul winning church.